you know, I was um, up north uh, yesterday, and the forget-me-nots had come out, and they covered the whole lawn. And I was thinking about my need to mow the lawn, and I said, I cannot mow the lawn with these flowers looking as beautiful as they were. So that's going to have to wait till next weekend. But are you ready to uh, worship, enter into uh, worship? Uh, you know, we've got a, um, a great opportunity this Sunday to um, worship uh, a little differently than we normally do. And I think it was probably serendipitous that our projector broke this Sunday because guess what? You have hymnals in your laps. And uh, we are going to uh, do a throwback Sunday with uh, some hymns. And uh, I, I thought about that. And I was driving down from up north this, this, or this morning. And it's about a three-hour drive. So I'm listening to the radio. And uh, there was a program on a Christian radio station. And this uh, it's called This is Worship. And the the... DJ was introducing all of the new songs, the new Christian songs that were coming out that he wanted to introduce the Christian community to. And as I'm listening to this, uh, two of the new songs were hymns that had been put into another arrangement. So do you understand music is the language of heaven? And God has instructed us to sing a new song, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the new song can't be the old song. Do you understand that? Because, because a, a new song is just simply making it your own, okay? Uh, Psalm 40 says that we are to sing to the Lord a new song. And, uh, you know, as you... Wait patiently, the, the verses before that, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined his ear and heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit, set my feet on a solid place. He then put a new song in my heart. So do you understand that music comes out of a blessing we receive from God? And so um, it's not about the chronology. It's about what comes into our hearts and is... Um, is changed. So, uh, you know, you are going to be blessed by these, uh, these women and men. men yes. <laughs> I, I know. I, I know Irene will keep it lively as well as my wife at the uh, keyboard. And um, so let's use this as an opportunity to enter in. And all those people that come late at, tw at 1020 and 1225, they're missing out. So when they come, you say, you know, get here next Sunday at 10 because the worship and the singing and the new song that he wants us to, you know, enter into is for our benefit. So you might not be able to carry a tune, but that's okay. God wants that song welling up in your heart. Uh, make a joyful noise. So, Father, we come to you and we anticipate what you want to do in our time of musical worship this morning so that we can prepare ourselves to receive the word that you want to speak. So we ask for your, um, we ask that you would settle our soul and you would open our eyes 
in our ears, soften our hearts to hear what it is that you want to speak to us. And we thank you for all that you are in Jesus' name. Good morning, church. Praise the Lord, everybody. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now since Tim was saying that, you know, there might be a few little people coming in a little later than, you know, past 10, I'm going to ask for only of those that feel comfortable doing this, that if you're sitting on the edges, if you just move in just a little bit, if you are visiting this morning, or if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do that. But if you see a vacant seat just over here or over there, because there's something about singing hymns. When we actually get to hear one another's voices, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit just grips our heart. And we're able to go deeper. I don't see nobody moving. Don't everybody uh, <laughs> move. Okay, okay. Oh, oh. Yeah, I guess him. You see, now black folks, we'd be up, gone in. You know, there would be no issue. Yeah, everybody, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But, okay, if you want to stand and move in, but only if you feel comfortable doing that this morning. So, but we are very, very excited about singing these songs. Now, when I was a little girl, the church that I that I visited, uh, grew up in, uh, that's all we did. We did not have praise and worship. At our church, we acted like we had no idea what a praise and worship song was. Mm -hmm. So we only did hymns. And as a young person, I used to think, wow, how boring, right? Mm -hmm. The song and the music, they're just dragging along. And yet, the older I have gotten, uh, the more that God has done in my life and revealed who he is, these hymns have become such a treasure mm -hmm. to me. So I'm praying this morning that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart, help you to sing out, and those of you that are not familiar, that you would just really just take in, wow, the melody and the words, and may the Holy Spirit encourage your heart this morning, fill you with his love, his praise, his to be thankful for who he is and what he has done. So our first hymn this morning is going to be, and if you have a hymnal, uh, it's going to be page 262, Holy, Holy, Holy. All right, please stand. And we'll be doing all of the four verses. Yeah. 
Okay, now just because we're doing hymns this morning, you, that don't mean you don't you know don't feel like oh I can't say praise the Lord, thank you Jesus. Praise you can Lord, say all Jesus. of that, all of that. Praise all right. Now the next song we're going to be doing is found in page three forty nine. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Amen. Come on, for there's no other way to be happy <coughs> in Jesus, but to what? Trust and obey. Let's go.
so we'll be singing that in page four, turn to page 473 in the hymnal, and we'll be doing all three verses. Now, this song, woo, it kind of goes, love that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it declares that we have what is true, the victory Amen. in Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Because of what he did for us Thank on the cross. Wow, his blood, his resurrection. Oh, thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank so you, let's Jesus. sing this song like we believe it. Yeah. Come on now. All right, no matter what you're facing this morning, we have the victory. That's, That's right. right. All right, That's right. all right, here we go. And we'll be singing all four verses. And we might repeat Three. the chorus about five times, but you know, <laughs> that's only in the black church. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. 
assurance that he is always with us. So we're going to sing all three verses of Blessed Assurance. No, 345. Oh, 345. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jesse. Praising my Savior. 
That's all right. Say what you have in front of you. It'll be a glorious. Verse, verse three, right? Let's just start oh, verse three verse again. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Senior yeah. moment. Senior moment. <laughs> okay, so verse three we're doing. Okay, can we? Can we? Can you do just a little again? Yeah. yeah. I think that's. <laughs> but it's. Great is thy 
preparation for communion. I don't know what is. Blessed assurance. Jesus, Jesus is mine. His body broken, his blood shed. We are heirs of salvation, purchased by God. Born in his spirit, washed in his blood. This is our story. Is it your story? This is our song. We just sang it. We're praising him all the day long. And because of that, we have victory in Jesus. He sought me. He bought me with his redeeming blood. Um, aren't you grateful this morning? Aren't you um, anticipating the sharing of the blood and body that he has told us to do in remembrance of what we've just gotten through singing about. So it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to gather corporately and share um, his meal. Is it not? So um, those that are going to share the elements come and let's distribute those. You know, God in his uh, providence and in his wisdom has instructed us to understand. Um, Ephesians 1 says, he has made known to us in all wisdom and insight the mystery of his will to unite all things in him, all things in heaven and on earth. That is fundamental and foundational. And it's embodied in really the elements that we take in that the horrific event that his death embodied is intended to bring us life. Isn't that just mind-boggling? We can't understand it. And so that's why he says he is intending to reveal to us daily the mystery. This mystery, this revelation that ought to be unfolding to us every day uh, brings what we are doing today into a, a new perspective. It ought to be. In, in the prayer time before service, um, in the prayer time uh, before service, we were... We were um, talking about uh, John 17, and John 17 says eternal life is to not live forever. I mean, that's part of it, but it's to know God, to know God. How do you know someone? You know someone, Marvin, you get in their face, face to face. I, I know you. I want you to know me, and that's how we we, um, we are to share communion as we, as we get to know God. We, we encounter him face to face. The psalm says, I seek the Lord. I seek his face. And so that's what we want to do as we remember what he's done for us. And so let's uh, take the bottom bread. And uh, as we are inclined to do break that because that's a symbol of his body broken so father we are so privileged to be here with your 
um, with our family, and we uh, thank you for what you have accomplished, that you sought us and you bought us with your body broken and your blood shed. Thank you. Take and eat. Thank you that that body was not only broken, but um, it spilled out its blood for our redemption, for our sacrifice. And we know that without the spilling of blood, there is no redemption. And so your body, your perfect body, was broken and it bled for our salvation. We thank you, thank you for that. Reveal to us right now in a new way what it is that you intend for us to be uh, doing and how you intend for us to be entering into that life that you have given to us to know you and know you better. Take and drink. Amen. Well, it's a wonderful day. Stand up and greet one another uh, for a moment and um, we're going to... um, We're going to have the offering. If you haven't given your offering and you want to give that, uh, come up and uh, put that in. And uh, Steve and Dave, if you want to pass those around, we're going to um, have a blessing on the offering in a minute. Team, thank you, Irene. You know, uh, as I saw Irene up there, I went to school with Irene about 50 years ago, right? And uh, she, she, was, she was in the, the primo choir. I was just in the, the lower grade choir, but she was in the primo choir. And her director, Dr. Bowman, he's looking down, and he saw you today, and he said, that's my girl. I'm proud of her. So... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm blessed, and you know, that's a little bit of the legacy that we share. You know, we ought to leave a legacy as we go through life, teaching, training, and um, hopefully, you know, getting to uh, share with other people the gifts that God has given us. So thank you, Irene, for doing that, and my wife, Kathy, as well, and Denise, and uh, Jesse, and all those other ones. We're just missing Brandon on the drums, so uh, you, you get, you know, there can be drums in, in hymns, and so maybe that's the next time. Well, listen, we've got, uh, we're, we're coming into our third week of the 21 days of fasting for Israel, and we want to remember that <clears throat> time and lift Israel up right now, and I'm going to lead in, in that. Uh, you know, Israel is um, really in a very, very precarious place. There's, there's daily demonstrations over the political turmoil that is going on in that country. Uh, I'm not going to take sides about who's right and who's wrong, but I do know it involves the judiciary and what kind of judiciary they're going to have in that country. And so as a lawyer, I'm going to pray, and next month they're selecting the Knesset representatives that are going to be determining what the outcome of that is going to be in terms of their judicial structure. And so we know, biblically, God wants good government that is fair, that's just, that is impartial, and that is going to be um, 
accountable to the God, okay? Not to any human being. And so that's my prayer for Israel today, that through all of this turmoil, God puts in good government the judiciary that is the, it really the center of a lot of this dispute. And uh, as an attorney, I know what it's like to be before a judge that is not impartial. And, and you know what they're going to do before you argue a case because you know them. They don't really listen very well. Now, I'm not talking about any in this county, but um, <clears throat> there is a tendency to, when you get power, to want to retain that power for yourself. So we know that... Um, God loves the, the Jewish people, and I, I don't know all of what's going on, but we want the vision of the Messiah Jesus to be front and center. And so in this turmoil, if that can be accomplished, you know, Lord, just let it be revealed to, to those people. So, Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that the people you chose uh, over 3,000 years ago to be a called out and special people uh, are still called out and special. And even though we of the Gentiles have been drawn in and included, we love our brothers uh, of Abraham, our sons of Abraham. And so we, we ask that, 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 uh, that those ones who you have called according to your plans and purposes that are in Israel, Father, you would bless them with the blessing that comes from Yeshua, the Messiah, the one that has come as their redemption. And so as uh, this next month, the Knesset is making decisions about uh, what judiciary is going to be in that country, we ask that they be guided by your principles of wisdom, justice, truth, and that uh, that would prevail, and that there is no... Uh, that the deceptions of the enemy, the, the power that's to be brokered, Father, that that would be subordinate to your uh, character and your uh, truth and your justice that you want to see in the earth. So we pray for that and for the, the Israel people uh, today, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Welcome to all of you uh, who are here, if anyone's new. Fill out a guest card so that you can put that uh, in the back when you're finished. We are a people of prayer, campus connected, and champion unity, right? You know, we, we, we need to um, understand. I, that was a test for all of you, so <laughs> you passed. Um, those are the three-legged stools on which we stand, and we think that that's uh, what God has called us to be. And so um, we have an opportunity to kind of do all of that this afternoon. And I don't know, um, there's the art fair in East Lansing. And you all know we have the House of Prayer where? In East Lansing, right across from the Broad. And uh, there is, and sort of Meredith has given us a little bit of a taste as she has uh, been worshiping in the visual form. And we appreciate that, Meredith. But as I understand, Rachel Nanzer is having a little exhibition at the House of Prayer this afternoon, correct? And um, after that exhibition, we're going to have an opportunity to bless those attendees at the East Lansing Art Fair. And there's going to be, I understand, a, an art 
piece out in front that everyone can, do you want to explain what that's going to be? Because I, I, I could do it, but I'm just going to kind of mess it up and fumble through, but uh, you can share that. I'm glad we get to help each other out, Tim. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to be hosting, as a form of uh, community engagement and outreach, a community art project. So we have two huge canvases that we're going to set out there with a the prompt. And I believe we've been brainstorming our prompt. Um, and I think it's going to be, what is heaven like? And let people add their paint to the canvas according to that. Um, and uh, obviously, as a way to engage people in conversation. That's such an easy on-ramp. <laughs> uh, as Kirby taught us a couple weeks ago, the four spiritual laws, you can go right from there to, do you think you're going to heaven? Why or why not? So um, we'll also be handing out water, offering prayer to people. So that's from 1 to 4 at the House of Prayer East Lansing, 619 East Grand River. If you don't know where if it is, if you've never been there, um, come on down, join us. It's going to be a, a great time. I assume there's lots. Well, I know there's already people down there. I was there before today, uh, before we came today. And there's already people just all over the city. So opportunity to show the love, share the gospel of Jesus. So anyone is welcome. Anytime between 1 and 4, Rebecca will be there helping host that time. Uh, so, love to have you join. Amen. So, people of prayer on the campus, champion unity, right? And uh, so, that will be something to uh, invest yourself into. So, uh, we're going to bless the offering and also bless the children. If you want to stand up and uh, everyone reach your hand out to them and... Father, we thank you for... The young ones, Father, they are um, who we want to invest in and leave uh, your good word in. And so we ask that you bless this time of ministry to them and that they, it would bear fruit and it would bear fruit now. We don't need to wait till they're older or younger, but they would be the young boys and girls that you want them to be. We ask this in your name. And we also ask that you bless the offering that's been given, that it would go to the building up of your kingdom, your kingdom and what you want to do in this congregation, in this city, and in the earth. We ask this in your name. Amen. So the, now is the greeting time. So yeah, Steve, you... For many years, Tom and Denise Schrader have offered their hangar out in Mason, and we've had a... Um, meeting that day, Tom let us put us up in place. Uh, Tom no longer has the hangar, and so I was thinking it would be a good idea if we had the potluck here. Now, it's a long weekend, and I just need to know who, Fourth of July weekend, I'm sorry, um, has any interest in that. We thought if, if there's enough kids, we might get a, a bouncy house. Um, so just let me know if you have any interest, and when you'd like it. If you're interested in that, go speak to Steve. Go ahead and stand up. I know we've been disjointed. Stand up, take three minutes, talk to somebody. I'm not going to interrupt you this time. But let's get checked into Kids Church.
so, so glad we're together. It's been such a, a fun time already, such a unique time already this morning, hasn't it? Uh, we're going to get into the Word, so if you have a Bible, we'd love for you to get that out, or if you'd like to look on your device, yeah, I like that chair, we're going to get into the Word, woo! Um, if you'd like to look on your mobile device, you could do that as well. Um, we are in our series in Acts, we called Empowered, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, so just so you know, we're going to get there at some point. Um, but yeah, it's been a beautiful morning, and I just wanted to give some context to some of it. Um, if you're new here or if you're not, you probably know we don't normally sing hymns, um, and uh, we don't always normally have someone painting, um, but uh, there's a method behind the madness <laughs> in that um, Miss Irene, who stepped out for a second and led us so beautifully today in those hymns, is kind of heading up what I would call a creative arts committee. And so once a month, um, it's been our desire to do something unique um, that uh, stretches our comfort zone, takes us, you know, stretches our boundaries a little, and connects us to God's bigger story. And so singing hymns um, is powerful in that, and she talked about it last week, uh, because the hymns, they, they cross denominational lines, ethnic lines, national lines. It means some of these songs are known around the world and connect us to the story of God's people over many, many years. I, the one thing I said when we were planning this, I'm like, well, it's beautiful. I mean, we're looking at two, three hundred years of history. What would really be powerful if we could somehow get a hold of what they were singing 2,000 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> at least 200, 300 years of Christian history and theology wrapped up in these songs. And uh, I'm with Irene in terms of, you know, I grew up in a church that sang them. I got saved in my grandma's Baptist church. The Trust and Obey was a big one that I grew up on. And that still speaks to me today. Uh, sometimes when I'm wrestling in life, those words will come back to me. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And you know what I've found over my lifetime is it's true. It's true. But we also did something way more ancient today in taking communion, which is something we do much more often. But again, I just want to real, uh, recognize, although in some ways the, the concept of the communion table has caused division in the church historically, it's actually one of the things that connects us to Jesus' story from the night he was betrayed until today and until he returns the people of God all across the world, through all time, through all ages, and every generation, have partaken of the same blood and the same body of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Um, so just to give you some context on our connection to a bigger story actually connects us to the Word of God today. In Acts chapter 8, we're looking at the beginning of the church as we've been in, in uh, the book of Acts, the Empowered series, and we've been looking at, oh, uh, the the story of the early church, because the story of the church is still being written. It's just as relevant today because this is our story. And until Jesus comes back, he's still writing the story called the Acts of the Apostles. So um, as you may have noted, or we mentioned earlier, uh, apparently the projector blew yesterday. Um, so we don't have our normal comforts here today. Uh, and so what would have been uh, my PowerPoint slides, if you like notes, are on these, this paper. Would you hand these out? If anybody actually wants it. If you don't want it, that's fine. But if you're like, I need something to look at or you really like to take notes, you can follow along. It's just very simple. Uh, my PowerPoint slides on paper. <laughs> Normally they'd be up here. 
But the church's story is still relevant because it's still being written. We are still in the same age. And I say that every time we dive into the book of Acts, because if you've read the book of Acts, it's exciting to read it. You're like, oh man, that's amazing. I wish I could have lived in those days. And here's the really good news. You do. What Jesus started after his resurrection continues to this day until he returns. It's all the same age in God's historical timeline. Isn't that awesome? And uh, we do see God at work all across the earth, but of course we long for more. And what I think the, the, the conflict for our souls sometimes when you read in the book of Acts is like, we don't feel like we're seeing that. And so we can try to figure out a reason why, oh, it was just for that time, or we can let it stir up a hunger, a desire, and faith to reach for all that God wants to do in our day. Amen? And that's what I'm believing for. And so as we look to um, Acts chapter 8, I'm going to entitle today's message, The Makings of a Revolution. And I believe you're going to find yourself in this historical account around our brother Philip. So as we look to the word of God, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your word, that it's living, that it's active. We ask for a spirit of revelation. God, and we thank you that the same spirit that you poured out in the pages of this book would be continued to pour out in our hearts and in our lives today. God, in every way in which we haven't seen it, God, we say we want it. We ask you to pour out your spirit as you promised on all flesh until the great and coming day of Jesus. Pour out your spirit, pour out revelation on us, and empower us today to be your people on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe we have, even in this very room, the makings of a revolution in the gospel. Do you believe that? Okay, well, hopefully you'll be convinced after we look at this simple, simple account of what Jesus did through one believer. Acts chapter 8. If you're there, open up to it. Or if you've got the notes, it's on there too. It might be a little small. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 4. And um, we're coming right on the end of when a great persecution had come upon the church. It was kind of the first big wave against this uh, sect of believers who were following the risen Christ says this, verse 4, those who had been scattered by the persecution, they had to leave Jerusalem, preached the word wherever they went. Philip, verse 5, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, They all paid close attention to what he said. This is wild. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. Let's stop there. So one guy, scattered by persecution, starts preaching Jesus the Messiah, and power is breaking out. It's undeniable that this Messiah is not just a great ideological idea, not just another theological construct, but there's something about Jesus the Messiah that changes people's lives, that impacts their situation in dramatic ways. We have demons coming out of many, and the paralyzed and lame being healed. 
And that was the story. And then I love that it says, verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. Do you know that when people encounter the power and love of Jesus, it brings joy? It can bring joy to a whole city. Let's talk a little bit about this. We see that it says that people were scattered. They were scattered by persecution. And so Philip goes out to a city in Samaria. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but it's interesting to me because Jesus... We read in Acts 1, they quote him before he ascended. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit. You're going to receive power, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, and the ends of the earth. You'll be a witness in all of these places. And we get a sense when we read that that he's going to send us with a, you know, some sort of holy calling. But what actually happened to the church is they're in Jerusalem. They received the Holy Spirit. They started preaching Jesus. Multitudes start getting saved. And then governmental and religious structures get mad and start persecuting them. And so they're scattered. And so they end up in places like Samaria. See, I, I, I point that out because Jesus prophesied they would be the witnesses, but they didn't make steps to say, well, Jesus said we will, so we better make plans to go to Samaria. We better make our plans to go to the ends of the earth. Jesus made sure that his people made it to exactly where he wanted them to be the witnesses that he had called them to be. Sometimes we find ourselves in less than favorable circumstances. Maybe you have a job change or something happens in your family, and we think that those unfavorable circumstances are now our excuse or our reason why our witness won't really work as well as it's supposed to. That could have been the church's response. Well, we're having such success in the gospel, and power is breaking out, and now there's persecution. I have to go to another city. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Philip didn't say that. The, the believers didn't say that. Maybe God's change of circumstance and situation that maybe on your opinion seems unfavorable is actually God's calling. Maybe it's God's sending. Maybe it's another ripe field where the gospel can bear fruit. That's what I see happening in the story of these believers. And where we think that our unfavorable circumstances, even the people's opinions of us or the lack of power we may feel, in the people and the circumstance around us, we think our hindrance may, are not actually a hindrance to Jesus. They're not. They may actually be Jesus' greatest opportunity in your life. Are you with me? So they didn't choose necessary to go out, but they were already a mode of, we are here with purpose wherever we are to be his witnesses. He said we'd be his witnesses, so what are we going to do? We're going to talk about him, and we're going to believe for his power to break out where we are, wherever we are. And the funny thing is, when you do what he says to do, he shows up. You speak the words, you talk about Jesus, you believe for Jesus, and Jesus shows up. Because Philip doesn't have the power to send impure spirits out of anyone. He doesn't have the power in and of his own self to heal the lame or get the paralyzed out of their wheelchairs or off of their sleeping mats. He doesn't have that power, but Jesus does. And so unbelievably normal in this account for that to happen. But it says simply that Jesus proclaimed the Messiah, which in our language would be the Christ, the sent one. From heaven, he, he proclaimed the Messiah to these people, and the crowds paid attention because when he preached the true story of the Christ, power was breaking out. There was an authentication of heaven 
on his preaching of Jesus. So healing and deliverance, and there should be both, were absolutely natural at the name of Jesus. You see that? And then that last piece, that last piece, it brought great joy to their city. You know, in the early church, what were they preaching? What, what, did, he, what did Philip have to preach? Jesus. One message. Jesus. <laughs> Philip was preaching the one he had walked with. The one he had worked with. And all he had to do was share about the one he knew. And the reality of what he had experienced with this man Jesus. His death, his resurrection, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And preaching Jesus was enough. Who was Philip? This is a question. Who, who was Philip? He was a disciple. Got anything else for me? An apostle. Who was Philip? We don't have much on Philip, do we? That's the point. Philip was kind of, I don't want to say a nobody, but when you read the Gospels, he's not even highlighted. He's in there, but you know, Peter, you're the rock, the one that builds a church. John, I'm the beloved disciple. I'm leaning on on Jesus' breath. We have the, the inner circle. Philip wasn't in it. We have Judas the betrayer. We have Thomas the doubter. We have nothing, nothing on Philip. And I love that because it gives hope to you and me because that's our story. We don't feel like we're that great. Well, I don't know that I'm a Peter. I don't know that I'm a John. And maybe sometimes I'm a Thomas. But at the end of the day, most of us, most of the time, feel like as a believer, we just don't stand out much. Sometimes we feel painfully average. Hallelujah. This is your story. This is your story. What's required? What made Philip Philip? How did he end up in the middle of this amazing move of the Holy Spirit? He walked with Jesus. And if you're in this room and you can confidently say, I think I know Jesus. I have experience with Jesus. I spent time with Jesus. Jesus has worked in my life. I'm not the same person I was because of Jesus. Then Philip's story is your story. You don't need anything else. You don't need a theological degree. You don't need to have a platform. You don't need to have a following. You need to know that you walked with Jesus. It's all that he had. And as I said earlier in the book of Acts, right, what, they took note of these guys who were seemingly uneducated. Why? Because it was obvious they'd been with Jesus. And my question for you and me is, do we know him? Have we walked with him? Do we understand what that means to the world around us? If we take confidence in the reality that he is real to us, that he can make himself real through us, regardless of whether you're ever on a stage, regardless on if anyone else ever writes your story down, regardless if your name is known anywhere, that you carry the Jesus that Philip carried, and the presence and power of Jesus that was with him is with you. If you've been with him, that's it. You don't have to have 15, 20 years under your belt, and some of you do. Walking with Jesus. 
Have you walked with him? Have you talked with him? Have you been with him? Then Philip is you. Philip's your dude. The average dude. And even if it's a point of pain in your life, I want to encourage you to be emboldened by the story. If you feel like sometimes I just blend into the background, but do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? So we have an average guy who would walk with Jesus. Maybe he's not so average now. Maybe we feel so average, but you've walked with Jesus, you're not average at all. And persecution comes, and he ends up in where? You can answer this one. Samaria. What do you know about Samaria and the Jews? Yeah, they didn't get along. Uh, I'm sorry, this isn't, I'm t- this isn't grad level. It's not grad level today. I want you to notice what's not written in the story. He gets sent to Samaria. And the Jews typically did not like the Samaritans. And the Samaritans did not like the Jews. Why is that not even an issue here? Why is it not even highlighted in the story? What, we don't even know what city he went to. He ends up in Samaria. And all I have to think is it's really simple. It's really simple. Just like Peter, you know, days days before Jesus would rise from the dead, Jesus is being betrayed. He's being persecuted. Peter's in the courtyard waiting for Jesus, and somebody asks him, you're one of them, right? You're, You're one of his followers. You sound like him. You've been with him. And Peter says, no, 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 three times, no denies even knowing Jesus, right? You know the story. He weeps bitter tears. Jesus goes to the cross. They've all sort of deserted Jesus. Jesus goes in the tomb. Three days later, he comes out. The women find him. Then Peter's on his feet running to the grave. Jesus is risen from the dead. And then the Holy Spirit comes and everything changes. Because Peter, the one who before a little servant girl couldn't stand up on his faith in Jesus, now there's a lot of pressure, I'll give him that, but he said no, is the one who then by choice stands up in front of 3,000 to preach Jesus. The one you crucified is the one who's here, and he's yours if you want him. If you'll repent, you can be in this family too, and 3,000 come to the Lord in that day. How many of you know Peter was transformed? He was changed. There was evidence of the transformation work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And so I think, and I'm just writing it my way, right? Just let me tell the story. Philip gets sent, scattered into Samaria without a second thought because he's not the same guy he was. When they went to Samaria before and the disciples were like, Jesus, are you sure? Jesus, we don't go there. No, we're supposed to go around Samaria, Jesus. You guys know this happened, right? They're like, we don't go there. Don't you know? I love when they say things to Jesus like, don't you know? <laughs> doesn't, Jesus doesn't know. But here's Philip in Samaria, ready and willing to preach the gospel of grace and peace to a people he perhaps once hated or at least was trained, trained and taught and grew up in a culture that told him to despise. What happened to Philip? He had a heart transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the evidence of a changed man. Would you agree? And he's here amongst the people who he should have or would have 
typically before the transformation power of the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't have wanted to show them the love of God. And this wasn't even a Jonah moment. He didn't get swallowed up by a fish. He found himself there, and the right response to being where he was was to share Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It says they preached in the villages of many Samaritans. So it wasn't just a one-time deal. Okay, Jesus said, Samaria, let's do one, one village, step our toes in and get out. They went to as many as would hear him, preaching the Messiah, preaching Christ crucified. And all that should say to us is he had a transformed heart. The power of the gospel at work in us will produce in us transformed hearts. If you really know Jesus and you're really walking with him, there will be evidence in your heart of a transformation. Of what you once were, you no longer are. And that's what we will preach to people too, right? The gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's the power of transformation. The old is gone, the new has come. Well, we should be able to look at our own lives and say, well, I once was like this, but now I am this. And I want to tell you something else. I don't think it's just one time. I think we are always in the process of the salvation transformation, even as the Word of God says in a number of places, we're saved. We're being saved, and we will be saved. So we're saved in the moment that we put our faith in Jesus. We're justified before God, but then we're being saved. We're on this sanctification journey where God's making his image come alive inside of us as we're learning to become what we've become, the righteousness of God in Christ. Is this making sense? Until the day when we are saved, in other words, we see him face to face, and we're all transformed in the twinkling of an eye to be made new like him. We have new bodies, new spirits. We're not there yet. We're here. We're in the being saved peace. And it should have evidence in our life that God continues to conform us into the image of Christ, continues to confront in our own hearts our biases, our prejudices, our inklings to sin. Because you don't have to raise your hand. I know you have some of those. And you've had some of those, hopefully. Hopefully, past tense, you can look back in your salvation experience, your life in God, and look back, well, I was that, and now he's helped me to be here. I once thought like that, but now I think like this, because he's renewed my mind about the people in that place. That's where, where Philip was finding himself. Is this making sense to you guys? You're so quiet today. If you're walking with Jesus... My question is, are you being transformed? Because you should have a story today of his transforming work in your life as a, because that's what makes you a witness to those who don't yet know him. A witness means you have evidence. You have testimony of his reality. Not a doctrinal statement. I'm not against those. We have one. But evidence of a witness is real live testimony of a living Jesus in your life. And that can be physical healing, that can be emotional healing, that can be spiritual deliverance. And I'm pretty sure I've had all of the above. And I'm looking for more. I hope you are too. You should carry a different nature, a transformed heart. All right, I'm going to sum up here in a minute, but I want to read one last part of this story, 
And I'm not even going to read the whole part. I'm going to skip to the end of Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. We're doing great on time. This is good. Again, I'm talking about the makings of a revolution. I've talked about a couple things already, but I'm going to sum them up in a minute. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Amazing, amazing account. Again, same guy, Philip. I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, angels show up. That's real. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on the way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. We'll say he was a Jew uh, by religion. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And this is the part I want you to see, because I'm not going to finish the story. Well, I'll, I'll summarize it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. You may know the story. Philip explains to him what you're reading about this suffering servant is Jesus. He's real. He died. He rose from the dead. Faith erupts in the Ethiopian's heart. He says, I believe. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And so they do. They stop the chariot, they get out, they get in the water, they baptize this guy in the name of Jesus. And Christianity came, uh, history tells us, to the nation of Ethiopia because of this man. And because of one man who ran in obedience. I love that, right? The angel told Philip, go down here. But he didn't give any other directions. But when he's there, the Holy Spirit whispers, go up to that chariot. You know what, what Philip did? He's like, why that chariot? I don't know that chariot. They don't know me. Do I speak the same language as them? No. He ran to the chariot. That quick, quick obedience, fast forward, brings the gospel to a whole nation. A whole nation. What kind of small acts of quick obedience could we be obeying in the Holy Spirit that could bring ripple effects we couldn't even dream of? Did the angel say... Or did the Holy Spirit say, if you do this, you're going to bring the gospel to the nations? We love those words, but no. He said, hey, Phil, you need to go down to that street. And then when he's at the street, that chariot. He didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know if the guy would receive the word. He didn't know if the guy would listen. He didn't know what the guy believed. He didn't know anything. He knew God, and he said yes to God. He heard the word of the Lord, and he obeyed. Is this making sense to you? Because we can all obey the word of the Lord. We can all obey the, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, though, what we're being called to is what we don't like. We get called outside of our comfort zone, out of our Jerusalem. God moves us into spaces we don't really like. We don't feel like we fit in. And those are the places where God can most beautifully and powerfully show his power and presence. Did you know that? That's where we can truly be a witness. It's in those places that we find ourselves so much more dependent on him, isn't it? So what, where is this that I'm talking about, like, the makings of a revolution? Well, if you got the notes, you may already know, because you probably looked ahead. <laughs> but I will say this first. What I think, I think it's way more simple than we think it is. 
I think the stories in the book of Acts tell us that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have all that you need to be a witness. You have the truth of Jesus at work in your life, and you have the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He poured out his spirit in starting in the book of Acts, and it says he will pour out his spirit on all flesh until the day he returns. And so his spirit is with us today to will and to do all that's in the heart of God. You believe that? So you have what you need. If you have faith in Jesus, if you're walking with Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. This story is easily your story. The makings of a revolution, I believe, are in here. One, that you be a witness. An average person who's been with Jesus. That's what you need. You need one of those, at least one. In this story, only one. Where's Philip's team? Where's ministry entourage? Where's his congregation? He's building it as he goes. <laughs> you need one person with the testimony of Jesus in their heart. That's you. Two, you need the gospel, the good news of the Messiah who has come, who is dead, buried, and resurrected, hallelujah, to bring salvation for sinners, to grant new life to those who will believe. It's by grace through faith we are, faith we are saved, the gospel of power and the gospel of love. The gospel doesn't just save our spirits, it heals our souls and delivers our spirits and heals our bodies. Amen? So a witness with the power of the gospel, God's power and love, and transform hearts to love. This is a piece that maybe we miss. I think God is calling us more often than we realize to cross what seem like age-old cultural barriers in the name of Jesus whether there are economic barriers, our ethnic backgrounds, or even just groups of people that we feel like we don't understand. Could be those people we don't understand or maybe even been taught to dislike could be the most ripe. The truth is every human soul is longing for Jesus. They just may not know it. What do they need? A witness. They need someone who can show them. What you're looking for is Jesus. I'll hit the last point, and then I want to draw this home on something that's really hitting my heart. So a witness, the power of the gospel, transform lives. People willing to love outside of their comfort. To reach out to a people they may not have wanted to reach out in the first place. And finally, a heart of quick obedience. Philip ran. He ran. I love that that we would be people quick to run to obey what we feel the Spirit leading us to do. Because when we obey the Spirit, the Spirit will break out. When we obey Jesus, Jesus will do what only Jesus can do. Well, how do I know? There's only one way to find out. Right? Because we like to say, I don't know if that's God. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll tell you, 99.900% of the time, if, if you feel an unction to talk to someone about Jesus, it's probably not the devil. It might be your flesh. Hallelujah, your flesh is being transformed. But it's not the devil. That's how you test it out. Obey the Spirit 
fast. Obey the Spirit quick. And you know what? Like I said, you'll find out real quick. If it doesn't work, it probably wasn't him. But how will you know? Let's be honest. More times than not, it's not that we didn't try. It's that we spent so much time second-guessing, we talked ourselves out of it. I don't know. Did the Lord really say? Oh, that sounds like somebody else I know. I think if you think the Lord said it, you should just run and let him deal with the rest. Amen? So here's where I want to close. Are you ready? Just, I hope you love me. I hope you trust me. How many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie? If you haven't, highly recommend. It's streaming now. I think you, you can either watch it free or for a couple dollars. So many of you didn't raise your hands. Oh, you got you to gotta see it. Uh, if you don't have three, four, five, I'll give it to you. You just stream that, I'll pay you. Um, it's worth it. Now, I'm, I, just because the story is so powerful. But let me tell you one of the things that, like, the Lord dawned on my own heart for our day as I watched that movie. One I love so much about it. And let's just say the caveat that doesn't need to be said, it's a movie. They don't tell the whole story. They leave out some of the mess. Okay, it's a movie. Okay. Um, but it's still a true story. It's a true story of how God moved in, you know, very recent years in our own nation to sweep a whole, almost a whole generation into the kingdom of God. And what dawned on me as I watched that story, the unfolding of it, as God used a few simple guys, average guys who believe in Jesus, witnesses, we've been talking about this, right? Phillips, if you will, who were willing to speak the gospel in a generation to a people that some people didn't like or understand. Right? In that movie, in that part of our history, it was the hippies. They were a little strange. They wore strange clothes. They maybe didn't smell good. They're doing drugs. They're very countercultural. They were not what you would expect to show up on church, right? And, and church people were probably a little intimidated, like, oh, they don't want us. They don't want Jesus. But the story of the movie is so powerful because it says, as the the, one of the leaders of the movement, Lonnie, who was in it and got saved out of it, he said, they're just looking for transcendence. What are they looking for? God. You see a people that on the outside are hard to relate to, hard to get to, hard to know what to do with. But at the end of the day, you know what they're looking for? The one you have. And so they, they cross the divide, and then it's uncomfortable, right? You bring the, the, them into church and all the things that happened there. But at the end of the day, they were hungry for God. It was like dry wood waiting for a spark. And when the gospel of Jesus hit their dry hearts, it was a flame that couldn't be quenched. And you know what? Many of you and me, us sitting in the room are the pr product and the fruit of that. Hallelujah. Okay, so what I started thinking as I was watching the movie is, well, what is the people today in our culture that are hard to relate to that maybe the church has kind of been very uncomfortable with and maybe even be like, ew, and I thought, that would easily be the LGBTQ community. And we say, oh, no, they don't want us. They don't want anything to do with us. And I may be oversimplifying, but what are they searching for? Love. What are they searching for? Love. And I'm not just drawing this out of a hat, but it dawned on me because in the back of my mind, I started to unearth things I've heard in the last five, ten years from people that I know, love, and trust who do have platforms who have been prophesying 
that God wants to bring a great revival out of the LGBT community. And many people now are abuzz after watching the movie, Jesus Revolution, God wants to do it again. He does. I believe he does. And what if, what if those are the people that would be drawn in in ways we never would have expected? Maybe they're the dry wood waiting for a spark, someone to step across that line and share the love of Jesus with their hearts. What if it could kindle a flame like we couldn't even imagine? And we think, oh, but, 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 but. How about we just run? How about we just look for an opportunity to run? Look for an opportunity to be loved to a people looking for love and let Jesus deal with the rest. Oh, these people have problems. Well, Jesus deals with problems. Did you get cleaned up before you came into the kingdom? Did you like, you know, make sure to like holify everything and, and get all your thinking right before you stepped into church? Is that how you receive Jesus? Not me. You know what I saw in this story? Because you may think all kinds of things about all kinds of people, and I'm sure there's many too. The Muslims are definitely in here too. And God's revealing himself in power to Muslims right now. I was just reading another article of like, you know, God right now is sending people to the hardest and darkest places of the, the globe to be his witnesses. He's doing that. But in the places where those people aren't making it, you know what he's doing? He's sending dreams. Dreams of Jesus by the, the multitudes. And they're coming into the kingdom. And you think, oh, they're so far. They have so many different beliefs. Jesus, Jesus is not intimidated. Jesus is not intimidated by someone's lifestyle or generations of false Religion, he's not at all intimidated by all of that because he can deal with it all. If we will be faithful to preach Jesus, then all the impure spirits can come screaming out. That's his business. That's his work. We simply step in, speak Jesus. Run in obedience, be love. And let Jesus deal with all the other stuff. I think he would be pleased to have a fresh revolution in our day and age how many of you believe it you may or not may not believe that word i shared at the end i do but even if you don't what i've said today is true you're a witness you have the gospel it has power god wants to transform and keep transforming your heart for people you may not have liked before and there's a lot more to that some of us are raised in let's just say it racist homes God wants you to transform your heart. He, he's raised you in, in other homes, steeped in wrong ideologies. And God wants to transform your heart. We're being transformed. And once he does, he's going to send you right to the heart of that thing you thought you once hated. Because Jesus loves it. Jesus loves them. Jesus is all up in it. Let's stand together. And let's respond to the word of the Lord. Would you mind, Justin? I'm sorry. I didn't ask you ahead of time. We're going to keep this quick. Um, I hope that some of you may be able to step out today and come out to the uh, art fair in the house of prayer and see what the Lord will do. See who the gospel wants to meet today. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Let's come before the Lord. Father, we thank you. For the good work you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, the story you're writing in our city, God, the story you're writing for your church, the great hour of history we get to live in as you continue to pour out your spirit, we are so grateful. And we also admit we feel so 
so inadequate, so ill-prepared. But I thank you that your spirit is more than enough. I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Your grace is sufficient for us. So just as we stand right here in prayer before the Lord, I want to make an invitation to you. Are you here and you're not sure if you actually know him? Because you can't be a witness if you don't know Jesus. You can't walk in the power of his gospel if he hasn't transformed and touched your own heart first. So if you're in the room today and you're like, I don't know if I have actually been with Jesus. Maybe you believe. But you say, I can't point to places where my life have been transformed. And I want to invite Jesus in. I want to know Jesus today. I want to know him from afar. I want to walk with Jesus starting today. If that's you and that's your prayer, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you. Maybe someone who watches this at some point online, no one here is raising their hand, but you're watching this online and yet you, you're hungry for Jesus. If you believe that he was crucified and God raised him from the dead, and you believe that you want to make him Savior and Lord, you can do that right now. You can turn away from your life without him and turn to a life with him. Let Jesus save your soul today. Let him renew your heart. Let him empower you by the Holy Spirit. But since everyone here is, thinks they, feels that they know him, I just want you to open your heart, your hands before him and open your heart before him and say, Lord, in any way that I have not yet encountered and been transformed by your love, come and transform me. I give you permission to transform my way of thinking about other people, other groups of people, people I haven't understood, people I was afraid of, people I thought didn't want you. Would you change my thinking? Would you change my feeling about them? Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I give you permission to change my way of thinking. I give you permission to change my way of feeling about those people. And I give you permission, Lord, to send me, send me to places I thought I would never go. If that's truly your prayer, would you just tell him right now? Would you just give him permission? Would you ask for his spirit to transform you? And he's going to do it. He's going to begin a good work in this area today. You're going to be surprised at the work he does in your heart. I just want to give you a minute. Make your own prayer to the Lord. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to respond to him and be genuine. If you're afraid, Lord, I'm afraid. I don't know what that means, but I'm willing. God, I know you're good. You've been good to me. I'm willing. I give you permission. Transform me into the image of Jesus. Change me to be more like you. Just tell him in your own words. Start a revolution in me. Start a revolution in me, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I just sense the weight of the Holy Spirit beginning to rest on this room and many in this room. Let's just take a moment right here. Just let the Holy Spirit, even now, even now, I sense Him resting upon your hearts and minds. Just let Him come with a renewing work. Oh, Jesus, start a revolution in me, in me today. Start a revolution in me today.
Just even make that your prayer right here. The Lord's doing something. Oh, I see him. He's going into deep places. He's going into a deep place with some of you. Yeah. I see him uprooting, uprooting places of bitterness, places of darkness, places of ungodly thinking. He's uprooting right now and just say, Lord, I let you. I gave you permission. I invite you. Start the revolution in me. Start the revolution in me. Touch my mind. Touch my heart, God. Make me more like you. Start a revolution in me. Stay right here for a minute. Just stay right here. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You may be even, the Holy Spirit's whispering to you about a place or a people. He's just softening your heart. Softening your heart. You will be my witness, says the Lord. You will bring evidence. You will bring testimony. Some of you have been hurt, wronged by certain people, people groups, certain organizations or institutions. The Lord has compassion and he's healing you. But he's going to turn that test into a testimony. He's going to send you in humility and love to those who you thought you could never be reconciled to. He's going to send you as a witness of the reconciling power of Jesus, the transforming power of Jesus. Lord, release that healing today. Release that deliverance today. Oh, God, in every way we need to be freed from our past, from our bitternesses, God. Free us right now, even in this moment. Start a revolution in me. just bless this work of your spirit. May it continue. May it continue. Say thank you, Jesus. Now as we're here, I know you're sensing, many of you are sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Just whisper I want to encourage you to respond to the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I want to obey you. I want to obey your leading. When you speak, I want to run. I don't want to wait. I want to run. You just tell him right now. He can hear you. He can hear you. And your commitment today, the Lord will use to empower you. Your commitment to obey today, to trust and obey will be the entrance into a life of joy that you've never known. I want to follow you. I want to obey you, Holy Spirit. When you move, I want to move. When you speak, I want to speak. Where you lead, I want to go. Holy Spirit, I want to run after you. Start the revolution in us, God. Start the revolution in me, God. 
then glorify the name of Jesus. Glorify the name of Jesus through us. Glorify the name of Jesus through our lips. Glorify the name of Jesus through our lives. Glorify the name of Jesus through our hands. Bring healing. Bring deliverance today. God, in every day we walk with you, Jesus. We trust. We obey. We trust. We obey. Jesus, we say you are worth it all. You're worth all of us. You're worth all the glory that you will receive as we trust and obey you. I'm just going to stay here one more minute. I just sense the Lord's doing something. Just lean in and let him speak to you. Jesus. And I sense a release, a commissioning too, that no one, maybe no one will ever know that the Lord is releasing and commissioning you to go. You don't need approval from anyone else. You have the Holy Spirit and he says, go, go to those people, go to that place, obey that word I gave you 5, 10, 20 years ago. It's not too late. I commission you. I empower you to go in the power of my spirit and I will glorify my name says the Lord I will glorify my name through you you will be my Philip you'll be my witness I'll glorify my name through you go in my power go in my authority go in the name of Jesus Father I thank you for the work you're doing in us Holy Spirit continue your work as we wrap up our time together today, just continue to work in us to will and to do according to your good purposes. And if you can say amen to that, say amen. I want to bless you as we always do, and then we're going to wrap. Um, if you have a need for prayer, the prayer team will be right over here. If God's doing something in you or you need physical healing, we want to agree with you. So the prayer team will be up on my left, your right. Um, and then uh, we will have fellowship as well. We've got birthday celebrations today. Um, we've got a cake for those who have birthdays, so we'd love to celebrate you. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Turn his face to you and grant you his shalom. Amen and amen. Have a great day, all. Who has birthdays in the month of May? Anybody? Steve. Becky, who else? Marvin, and my daughter Ruby, he's not here. Let's sing happy birthday real quick. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Have a great day, y'all.